And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to be here with you all on this cold morning. I must say I had that moment of that joke Father Don told last week about the priest that didn't want to get up and go to church. When the alarm went off, I went, oh, it's so cold. And it was like God said, no, but you're preaching today. So I'm very happy to be here with you guys. Um, I told the first service, this was kind of a struggle, this one for me a little bit, because Father Don assigns about a month in advance. So I knew I was preaching right before Christmas, and I had gone to class the first week of January, and I came back. And I got the lectionary readings and went through them, and I said, oh, I'll probably preach on 1 Corinthians or Luke, one of those. And I start thinking about it, and God kept sending me back to Jeremiah. And I said, no, I'm not going to do Jeremiah. I'm going to do the New Testament readings. And he goes, no, you're going to do Jeremiah. And I said, no, I'm going to do one of the other readings. So today, what we're looking at is Jeremiah. God, God always wins on these things, but I think it's one of those things that really went with the reading from Jeremiah today, is that's pretty much how our struggles go. You know, God calls us to do something, and a lot of times we automatically go, oh, I can't do that, I don't want to do that, I'm not going to do that, and so I was um, talking to a friend of mine a couple of days ago, and I told her, I said, oh, I'm preaching on Jeremiah, and it's just, I don't know, it's the flow of it's not right, this isn't right, and I said, but it's what God told me to do, and she said, well, then maybe he's trying to teach you something about how you listen to him, and I said, I'm not going to talk to you again, because you're, you're no help, but anyway, the big idea for today is that God equips those that he calls, and so when we look at this reading from Jeremiah, God has been preparing Jeremiah for this prophetic ministry since before he was even born. And I think if he would prepare Jeremiah before he was born, then he probably does that for all of us too. And so, I don't know why we struggle so much, but even when you look at Jeremiah, God speaks to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's not all that thrilled about his call. Jeremiah comes up with excuses of why he can't do this. He's too young. He doesn't have the ability to speak effectively. And he goes through all of these things, and God says, none of that really matters. And none of that really matters because God is going to be with him, and God is going to tell him where to go and what to do and what to say. You know, this is not unique to Jeremiah. The Bible is filled with these stories of people that say, I can't do that, God. If you flip over to Exodus chapter 4, you see Moses. God calls Moses, and then Moses turns around and says, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And even after he tells him, I will be with you, just go, Moses still argues with God. 
God's not that happy with that. But ultimately, God sends Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece. God had a plan, and yet Moses argued initially. If you flip over to Judges chapter 6, we see Gideon. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But the Lord has forsaken us and given us over to the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And we can go through story after story where the response when God calls is, I can't do it. So Jeremiah really isn't unique here among the prophets. But we could say he's unique in that God reveals Jeremiah's heart more than any other prophet, I would say. You know, Jeremiah was the prophet of Judah's midnight hour. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He was the reluctant prophet. He was the prophet of loneliness. He had been commanded not to marry. He was the persecuted prophet. He was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was beaten. He was falsely accused. He was lowered into a cistern. He was carried against his will by his own countrymen into Egypt. And that's after God said, but I will be with you. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes that's what I know is that it's like, I don't know if I want to do this. It's like C.S. Lewis said, we don't doubt that God will do the best for us. We just wonder how painful the best is going to be. And I think sometimes that goes through all of our minds is how painful is this call going to be? And even with all of that, Jeremiah would probably not be considered the greatest prophet. That would probably be Isaiah, if you ask someone. But I think he could be considered the most heroic prophet. Because for 42 years, he preached in Judah, trying to get the people to turn around. For 42 years, he tried to awaken a nation to save them from the judgment of God. And in those 42 years, never once did he see any sign of encouragement. Never did he alter the course of this nation toward its own destruction. Never did he see a sign that what he was saying had any impact on the people. And yet, he remained faithful. His experience, he experienced personal sorrow and struggle. He had heartache. He had difficulty. He had danger. But he continued to perform the tasks God had sent him to do. And he left a tremendous record of God's greatness, of God's power over the nations, and the hope that arises out of the darkness. 
Jeremiah really had a rough time. I was talking to someone on Thursday, and they asked what I was preaching on. And I said, Jeremiah, and she said, oh, Jeremiah, it's such a sad book. I have trouble reading it. And it is really sad when you read it. You think, how could someone go through all of this? And yet we should be encouraged because despite all of that, Jeremiah remained faithful. That's our hope, is that we also, as followers of Christ, remain faithful even when things get really tough. You know, God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary work, despite our fears, our inadequacy, and our inexperience. And as I looked at this, I thought, why is that how we respond to God? Why is that? What is the root of us responding to God in this manner when we know as people that love Jesus, as people that are following him, why do we hesitate? Why do I hesitate just to say, I'll preach on Jeremiah if that's what you want? Why do I have to have an argument with God? Why do we not just say, okay, use me? Why aren't we like Mary? I think of Mary, and the angel appears to her, and she says, okay. Mary doesn't understand it. She's just a kid. She's just a teenager. Mary doesn't understand. But she goes with what the angel says, and she follows God, even though she didn't understand any of it exactly. And then she has to suffer and travel to Bethlehem being pregnant and have him in not the ideal conditions. And then he lives this life, and all of a sudden he's being crucified on a cross, her son. And yet the thing with Mary is when she goes through all that, she remains faithful. I think those, that's what we need to look at in these guys is that they remain faithful. So what is the root of the problem for us in not following God initially when he calls? Why do we have to have this back and forth? As I said earlier, I just, I just finished my class, um, the practice or the theology and practice of healing. And it was a January class, and so it's like you're the whole semester crammed into one month, three and a half weeks. And so I was in Orlando for a week, and um, the class was amazing. The professor is just, I could sit through class after class with him, nine to five every day, because he's so amazing. And one of the things we talked about is why do people not respond to God's call initially when he first calls, and how that impacts us in our spiritual healing and in our physical healing because we keep saying, oh, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to do it my way, I've got to clean myself up. And see, Henry Nouwen, a Catholic priest, had said this. He said, the greatest trap in our life is not success or popularity or power, but self-rejection. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy because it contradicts that voice that says, we are God's beloved. You see, I think that's kind of the problem here, is that we accept Jesus, and he says, we're clean. God says, you are now clean through my son. You're forgiven. But we keep saying we're unclean. We start saying, oh, I got to do something. I got to do something. But that's not really how it works. God's going to do something in us. 
because we can't do it on our own. We've got to get on the same page with God. In youth group, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer the past couple of weeks, and we still have a week or two to go to kind of get through it. And we've been walking through it word by word, basically. And we spend a lot of time, uh, Brenda Sharp and I, Brenda helps lead that, and we spend a lot of time talking about in the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father. And why we say Father and not Lord or God or, or some other name for him. But Father. And we say Father because when we accept him, we're his child. So it's a very intimate thing there to say Our Father and be adopted into his family. And when we ask the kids, or I ask the kids, I said, how many of you consider yourself to be a child of God? And some of these kids have grown up in the church. Some of them go to grace school or other Christian schools. Very few of them raise their hand to say they think of God as their father and that they think of him as being a child of God. Because he's God, and so I don't know, there's like sometimes a disconnect there that we miss that piece miss that piece that he loves us so much he adopts us into his family when we come to him. Sandra Wilson, who wrote a book on hurt and healing, said this in that book. She said, some of us keep living our lives like maids and butlers instead of like real children of God. We keep working frantically to earn the right to stay and we never really settle in, kick back, and enjoy our father's company. In effect, we live in the crummy, cramped quarters over the garage rather than in the magnificent main house. I think that is a lot of us at times. We don't feel worthy. We don't feel like God could love us. Look at what I've done. Look at the things I've done. How could you love me? And so we don't enjoy the Father's company, we do kind of stay over in the garage and keep trying to make ourselves better. And we can't. It's only when we allow Him to work in our lives, it's only when we respond to His call that that's going to happen. And all will be well. Someone said, what we humans fear more than anything else is not the evil all around us. What we fear most is the good in ourselves. It's so demanding, we repress it. As Christians, as people following Jesus, we have the greatest thing in us, the Holy Spirit. And yet when we feel convicted sometimes by the Holy Spirit, we repress it. And we repress it sometimes really quick. Uh Uh-uh, can't do that. I cannot do that. And we're right, on our own, we can't do that. But we don't allow the Holy Spirit to work and move and do what he needs to do so that we can do that work. We repress that good. And that's the best thing that we have. You know, we can say that we know Jesus forgave us, but I'm a mess. I haven't been a Christ follower long enough. I don't know my Bible well enough. I'm still struggling with my sin of anger or impatience. God, you really can't use me. Jeremiah is saying he's too young. He doesn't have experience. He can't do it. And God says, 
that doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. Experience doesn't matter when I call you to give. You know, Caleb Goody, when I started in youth ministry, I just thought of this while I looked over and saw Caleb, was the first to tell me everything that was not going right in the youth ministry when I started. He was offering uh, constructive criticism, I think he probably would have told me. But I really didn't know what I was doing. That wasn't what I had gone to school for. That wasn't the plan for my life. I didn't even like teens. And then I got Caleb. (laughs) But the thing is, is that all I knew, and I can still remember in the interview, and I remember Cindy was in that interview, but I remember Joel Weldon asked me, a question. He said, why do you think you're going to be able to do this job? And I said, well, I think I said something to the effect of, I don't know that I can, but I think God will equip me if this is really what he's called me to do. And 12 years have gone by, and somehow I'm still here. But I wasn't. I felt very young and very inadequate, and I hadn't even been out of the youth group that long myself, four years. I'm coming back to lead it. It was really a hard place to be. And it took me a while to submit to that call. You know, there's a world of difference in knowing that we're the forgiven and knowing that we're the beloved. I think sometimes we can accept that God forgave us, but we don't necessarily accept his love for us right away because we keep thinking, I've still got to do something else before I can go before God. And yet in Zephaniah, it says this. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exalt you with loud singing. God rejoices over us with gladness. Do you believe that? we believe that he rejoices over us with gladness, that he loves us, that he sings over us, that he dances over us? Do we really believe that? I know sometimes I don't know that I believe that, quite honestly. Sometimes I struggle when I fall short to really believe God dances over us and sings over us. What an awesome God we serve that he does that for us fallen and broken people. It's pretty amazing to me. You know, we are a kingdom of priests. We're created in in God's image. We're royal children of God. But being a prince or a princess carries a lot of responsibility. So will we stay where we are, living a life where nothing is really expected of us? Or do we respond to God's call on our life? There's a lot of responsibility in being his child. Whether it was Moses or Gideon or Jeremiah or the disciples, we hear so often, go, go, I'll be with you. But go, you're not going to get to stay where you are going someplace new when you accept God. And Jesus is your Lord and Savior. 
you're going someplace else. You cannot stay. And I really think it's that that self-rejection that puts us in where we say, I can't do it. I can't do this. And God says, you can because I will be with you. You know, the disciples struggled with this. After Jesus had talked to the rich young man, you know, the disciples say then, who can be saved? Who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God loves us so much that he's going to make whatever he calls us to possible. It might be like Jeremiah's experience. It might be really tough. It might be like the disciples, really tough. We might have to go through pain that we don't want to go through. I mean, that's one thing about people, is we try to avoid pain at all costs. We really do. We try to avoid pain and suffering. And yet God uses pain and suffering to refine us. That's when we really go through the refining process is when we follow him and he puts us through this pain and this suffering and these things that we don't like. You know, Karen Murphy can say I'm in her office a lot going, this class from seminary is just, I'm going to lose it. And she goes, well, maybe this is just part of the process, Matthew. You're going to learn something. This is good. You never know what you're going to go through one day. We don't want to hear that. We want to say, yeah, you don't need to do that. You're right. Waste the time. But see, if God calls us and puts us in the situation and puts us through it, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. Of course, I think a lot of this really goes back to kindergarten. Probably everything we need to learn, we learned in kindergarten. And there's a lot of things we learned in kindergarten. But probably one of the ones that really sticks with most of us is follow the leader. Every Wednesday after the school service, we have our little K-3ers over here in the K-4 class in the kindergarten, and they all line up. And Robin Booth is here, and she'll be saying, all right, which one of you is the line leader? And none of the little K-3ers know, and they finally get it together, and they hold their little rope, and out the door they go. But it's really, that's what we need to be doing is follow the leader. Follow Jesus wherever he leads. It's not going to be easy. We see it in the lives of the prophets. We see it in the lives of the disciples. But in the end, it's all worth it when we remain faithful to him. We don't understand it when we're going through it necessarily. Sometimes we may not understand it while we're on this side of heaven. It may make no sense to us why we went through this. But one day it will make sense if we remain faithful to him and his call on our lives. You know, I love in C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle in the Narnia series, he said this. He said, as Aslan spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful, that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can 
most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Isn't that great? Every chapter is better than the one before. Because when we're finished with our work here, we get to be with Jesus for all eternity. And he's going to embrace us and say those words, well done. Because what we're going through here is only the cover and the title page. We have forever with him in which it's better and better and better. And what I hope for all of us is that when God calls, we respond because we know that we're the beloved. We know that we're forgiven. We know that he's going to go with us wherever he calls us. He's not going to leave us on our own. And I think that's the best thing for us, is knowing that. You know, I hope for all of us here that we respond and say yes when he calls, that there are no hesitations. Because we know if he's going with us, it's all going to be good. It's all going to be right. That's what I wish for for us, is that we feel God's love and his presence in our lives so profoundly that we don't hesitate when he calls. Whether it's a little thing or a big thing, I hope we don't hesitate. Because it really is pretty simple in a lot of ways. It really does come down to kindergarten and following the leader. And we know that he has our best in mind. And anything that I do is not going to compare to what I can do if Jesus is using me and I allow him to. So, I am always very blessed by this congregation because y'all are a people that say, that respond to the call, and we know that it's not about age and it's not about experience. And it's not even necessarily about what we want to do, but it's about what God wants to do through us. So let us be a people that boldly proclaim the gospel when we go out from here and respond to his call in our lives. Amen.